That's why Wiener is actually spelled I-E-N-E-R. Welcome to Geeks Without God with Tim Wick, Nick Glover, and Molly Glover. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We don't recognize moral authority. We don't accept divine superiority. We're geeks, geeks without God. This week on Geeks Without God, we're joined by Minnesota State Representative Mike Freiberg, who's here to tell us all about the new marijuana legislation that's passed and just come into effect in Minnesota. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, geeks without God. Welcome to Geeks Without God. I'm your host, Tim Wick. I am joined, as always, by my co-hosts, Nick Glover. Hey, hey. And Molly Glover. This session is in order. <laughs> and uh, we are joined by our special guest. Uh, this is Minnesota State Representative Mike Freiberg. Hello, Mike, and welcome back to the podcast. Hey, Tim. It's great to be back. And, hey, we, Mike. and we are here to talk about some recent legislation that, uh, Mike, I, I don't know if you helped write it or anything, but you certainly helped pass it because I assume you voted yes. Um <laughs> And uh, that is the legalization of uh, marijuana in Minnesota. And I'm probably not accurate when I say legalization of marijuana because it's all sorts of legal terms that I don't understand. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what, what's happening in Minnesota right now, Mike, as being somebody who uh, voted on this bill? Sure. No, I've I've been interested in this for a while. There's been a few different legislators in Minnesota who've chief authored bills to do some form of legalization. I've think legalization is a perfectly fine term to use. So I did actually, a few years ago, I was chief author of one of the bills, um, which coincidentally was named House File 420. Um, but, uh, <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> yeah. But that one, uh, that one didn't, wasn't the one we ended up passing into law. The one uh, we passed was uh, authored by Representative Zach Stevenson from Coon Rapids, House File 100 this year. It's not nearly as catchy of a number, although it's nice and round, I suppose. Even, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it was uh, quite a involved legislative process. I mean, we, you know, in the legislature, we divide things up into different committees. So there's an agriculture committee, a commerce committee, a healthcare committee, a you know, an education committee and uh, this bill seemed to have to go to every one of them. I mean, because there's an agriculture component to it. There's a commerce component to it. There's a criminal justice component to it. So, um, you know, I saw I saw the bill in a couple of the committees I sit on. Um, it, uh, it passed uh, with some bipartisan support. I mean, it tended mostly mostly supported by Democrats, but there were I think there was one or two Democrats who opposed it and as well as a couple of Republicans who supported it. Um, and, uh, yeah, we, you know, the, the Democrat, it's been an issue we've been dealing with for a few years. I think it probably took, you know, for those of your listeners who aren't in Minnesota, we, uh, we had a divided legislature for the, uh, last couple years. So the house where I am has been run by the Democrats for a couple years. The Senate was run by Republicans and we have a democratic governor or DFL, as we say in Minnesota. Um, but then this past election, we got a one-seat Democratic majority in the Senate and the House held. So um, we were able to do a lot of great things this session, you know, um, you know, free school lunches for kids. And you can um, read it, but just Google all the bills Minnesota passed. Yeah, <laughs> a trans great. refuge bill, a protect, yep. reproduct, protect reproductive op. You know, we enshrine reproductive uh, freedom into the, our statutes. Lots so, of labor laws and all kinds of great stuff for protections mm -hmm. there. 
Yep, and we and we legalized cannabis um, as well. So that was definitely one of the big accomplishments this session as well. So, um, yeah, what do you what do you what do you want to know about it? What's uh... <laughs> well, I I, I want to real quick. I watched all of the debate, both uh, the House and the Senate. Uh, we were we were watching the the House debate late into the night. I think it adjourned at midnight and then started up again the next day. Uh, I watched it the next morning. I just had it on passively while I was working, and it was it was really cool to see that in action and what you're talking about with it going through all the different committees was really talked about a lot. Uh, and, and people saying like, look, we've been over this, you know, (laughs) I don't know what else to say to you people. Just, we're going to vote on it and seeing how many amendments got, got pushed through. Uh, is that common for a bill to get that many amendments or is, was that unusual for this particular bill because of its nature? No, well, I mean, you know, it, th- there will often be amendments to bills offered um, in committee or on the floor of the House or the Senate. But just because this bill went through so many different, I think it, I think I heard it was thirteen committees in the House or something. Um, so in each of those committees, there's an opportunity to amend the bill. Um, you know, so and uh, and there were a bunch of amendments offered on the floor too. So I mean, just by virtue of all the different committee hearings, I think this was pretty unusual in the amount of times it got amended. I mean, yeah, the, it was the I think it was like the twelfth or thirteenth version of the bill by the time it got to the floor. I I heard um, some people talking about you know Minnesota really benefiting from what other states have figured out in in their path to cannabis legalization and and just like people a lot of people smarter than me about laws and and this sort of thing saying that like um we we benefited from their experience we were able to to do things a little bit better or do things uh, uh differently are there any examples that come to mind of of things that we did that other states did or avoided that other states did yeah we definitely did benefit from what other states did. Um, yeah, that's a that's a good question. Just to think of a couple things, you know, one thing we heard a lot is that if you tax it too high, then there it might there might be a, a black market problem or illicit sales problem that'll continue. So uh, that I think the tax rate on it is not quite as high as it is in some other states. Um, we have a very robust expungement provision. I think that's probably stronger than it is in any other state. So people who have, you know, nonviolent uh, convictions on the record related to marijuana possession or use um, are able to get that expunged. Um, it, a lot of it can happen automatically. So that's definitely one of the stronger provisions, I think, compared to other states. We have um, some social equity provisions in there to try to help businesses get started and to help communities that have been adversely impacted by the prohibition of marijuana as well. So I, you know, some of those provisions might be in some form in other States, but I feel like we, you know, we really took it kind of to the next level in Minnesota. The, the equity part of that was one of the funniest moments in watching some of the, the, um, you know, C-SPAN or whatever of, of the, of everyone discussing the, the bill, there was one uh, Republican representative who was like, look, you know, this, this illegalization is bullshit. Like this should be legal. This I is, agree. It should be this legal. Is, this is nonsense. You know, we, we're grown adults. We can do what we want. But this bill goes too far because it's woke. And like, <laughs> yeah. like he was totally on board with recreational legalization. But the problem, the part he had a problem with was 
so much of the of the consideration for um offering opportunities to communities and individuals who are disproportionately affected by the prohibition of cannabis yeah no that's there's a lot of that discussion that happens at the legislature for yeah. sure well, I'm pretty sure that, uh, you know, given the uh, fact that we're going to get some extra tax revenue, that go woke, go broke thing might not uh, really be super accurate. Um, I, I wanted to ask a little bit about now. I know that the, the, there's kind of a, a, a multi-step process in the in the in the rollout of, of legalization that, you know, August 1st was kind of the first step. Um, but there are there are additional steps. I wonder if you could explain a little bit more about about how that how that is going to progress over time. Sure. Sure. On August 1st, um, we basically decriminalized it. Um, so you can possess cannabis. Um, some people are, you know, some people have been kind of confused because there are lots of places selling cannabis products already. Um, I think most of the, you know, there, I mean, I'm sure there are places that are, that probably shouldn't be selling products that they're selling. But if you recall a year or so ago, we sort of accidentally legalized yes. edibles. So, yeah. <laughs> so you know, so hemp-derived edible products up to five milligrams of THC have been uh, able to be sold for the past year or so. But uh, this will, you know, this will fully legalize um, THC and not just hemp-derived products. So, some of the products people are seeing already out there might stem from from that um, law we passed a year ago. Um, but then, um, you know, the bill will the bill sets up an office of cannabis management. Um, I, I think the governor's been meeting with people who, uh, applicants to potentially head that office. And then, so that'll get off the ground and probably within a year or two, there'll be, uh, you know, a licensing scheme in place so that there are, uh, retailers who can legally sell cannabis, um, for what, whether it's smoked or edibles or whatever form. And the, you know, the existing medical cannabis program will get rolled up into there too. Um, but, uh, it'll probably right, be about right a year or two. Right now, it's legal to basically give someone cannabis. It's just not legal to sell it. If I'm understanding what I've seen, like as a breakdown of the rules, like if you somehow already had it and you were giving it to someone, that's probably fine. But like it's the the real regulation is around the sales and the retail sales right now, right? Yes. Yeah. Um. And, but there is uh, there are home cultivation provisions in the bill too. So people are. Um, people, you know, potentially if they give it to somebody, I mean, it can be done legally if they if they grow it at home. Mm -hmm. um, so that's already taken effect, I believe. Um, do you know when people are going to begin to be released or has that already begun? Like, I mean, I know record expunging and sometimes getting released from prison can just happen to you out of the blue. So is that something that you expect to see rolled out uh, anytime soon or is that also going to have to wait another year or so? Uh, I forget exactly what the time frame is on it. There is a provision for automatic expungement for low-level offenses, so they won't even need to sure. apply. They should hear about it. Um, I know that's if they're... Um, uh, the threshold of, of possession and things like that. Yeah, if they received a stayed sentence for possessing a small amount sure. of cannabis, um, I think then, right. that, then it can be automatically expunged. Um, I don't have the time frame on it in front of me. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's that's... I think that one of the things that is so important to this is because it, you know, I've, I'm sure we've all seen the, the, it, it kind of went viral tweet of uh, when the dispensary looks like an Apple store, it's time to start letting people out of prison, you know? And, and that's, you know, for real, because the, 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 there has always been sort of two sets of laws where if you're white, you know, if you're white pot's been decriminalized for kind of a long time, you know, and, and that is really the majority 
of the disparity. So that was something that was I thought was really important that Minnesota Democrats were talking about. They weren't just burying that in a bill somewhere under social equity. They were, you know, loudly and specifically saying you know, like if you were white and you got pulled over and you had a certain amount of weed on you, that didn't really affect you for, you know, but it would ruin lives, you know, for people who are not white. And so it that to me was something that I was so proud of with our state's bill that we were being so aggressive uh, with that expungement and, and with that decriminalization right off the bat. Yeah, no, I agree. It's a really important provision in the bill. I think uh, one thing that that I remember, because uh, when uh, I think we all, those of us that w- were paying attention, we knew that when uh, the the DFL party took over the Senate, that it was extremely likely for um, for the the cannabis bill to get to get passed once it once it got done. Um, and I, you know, you you would look online and you would see a lot of friends of mine who were like, "Oh, they're moving so slow," and and and. The thing that I don't think a lot of people understood is there. there's a lot of complexity to legalization of cannabis, that you can't just flip a switch, that you had to be really thoughtful about it. And I think that, um, you know, if you paid attention to what was going on, there was a lot of thought being put into this into this bill because because you, you didn't want to have it really kind of come back and, and bite you, but also because you wanted to do it right. Um, and, and you didn't want to fall into those pitfalls that a lot of other states uh, fell into when they were on the on the early early front of of legalizing mm. marijuana. Yeah, yeah. If you, I mean, I you know, I never felt like it was a guarantee. Even with the Democratic majority in the Senate, it was only a one seat majority. It is only a one seat majority, and you know, we we didn't have universal support among the the DFL party and the the Republican party. Frankly, has has benefited politically from it not being legal there's there's a couple um you know parties uh that uh just stand for the legalization of marijuana that have and the republicans have kind of infiltrated those parties and run candidates to draw votes away from democratic candidates so um it it, i didn't feel like it was guaranteed um but yeah it was a very uh involved process i mean kind of by necessity you know i'm just i have the bill language here it's it was uh, the final version was 237 pages long oh my God. Uh, the pdf so i mean it, and it just deals with every aspect you know you know there's the you know there's the tax provisions there's the the expungement provisions there's the uh, marketing and sales and where you can use it provisions and i mean and honestly um you know we did you know, we put a lot of work into it. We wanted to make sure everything was right. But, you know, there are we're going to have to, you know, no piece of legislation is perfect. We're going to, you know, we're going to keep coming back to it. I mean, it'll. I'm sure even next year there will be some sort of tweaks to some provisions of it that we, you know, so maybe something that we, did, we didn't catch. There have been a couple news stories that have come out um, in the month or two since we passed it. You know, there's, there's no provision in the bill, for example, about... Um, we, where you can smoke it outdoors there you know some yeah. states do have provisions saying like you can't smoke it out you can't you can't use it publicly especially at least if it's smoked like maybe if it's an edible that would be fine um but uh you know it, it's actually that's actually kind of by design i mean it's it's treated the same way as, as in terms of smoking it's treated the same way as it's treated in the minnesota clean indoor air act so you know you can't smoke marijuana or tobacco anywhere in an indoor public place or workplace 
Um, but or in, you know, a, or in a park, or yeah. you know, like yeah, there's certain areas you're not allowed to smoke cigarettes in in Minnesota. No, like, no school grounds. Not by a school, yep. like not by a hospital, yeah. and not yeah. There's 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 a lot. It's uh, Minnesota has is pretty strict when it comes to tobacco use. To be honest, like mm-hmm. it's it's. I mean, to some degree. It can, can be a little toothless because you can I've seen people smoking cigarettes next to a sign that say you have to smoke 30 feet away from a door. And I'm like, man, but you know, like it's yeah, I, at I, least yeah, they're standing absolutely. outside in winter. But you got to feel all right about that. Where you can smoke tobacco and generally in those outside mostly. But and uh, in those places, you can generally smoke cannabis as well. And so, I mean, once people realize that, I think there was some concern for it. I mean, and so maybe we'll revisit it next year. I don't know. I mean, if if we're going to look at that, maybe we should look at treating tobacco and cannabis similarly in outdoor areas. Ah, too. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I do have to say, having gone to the state fair several times this year, uh, people were not supposed to be uh, smoking uh, weed at the state fair, and they most definitely were. Uh <laughs> That, were they also smoking cigarettes? They were, but those were in the uh, spe- those were in the specified uh, cigarette smoking areas. Where I smelled cannabis was definitely not in the designated smoking areas. Um, which you know, I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not. It's just noticeable. It was more noticeable than in previous years that uh, people were exercising what they believed to be their legal right to uh, yeah, smoke. Yeah, I definitely didn't smoke weed going to the fair before. <laughs> so um one of the one of the parties not, not in the fair well not in the fair i wouldn't i wouldn't smoke anything in the fair that's you hide rude. behind the bosses well i mean what's the, if, the fair if you're gonna go to the no. fair you want to have the munchies Allegedly. before you get there um the 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 party one of the parties that was um it's notable it was the legalized marijuana party now party which that was kind of a sock puppet for the oh. for the the state republican party they would they would put somebody up in uh, in a very close in very close districts where they thought, you know, if they could siphon off one or two percent of the votes, um, <clears throat> then they could maybe take a seat away from the Democrats. And so, part of this part of this um, bill takes that away from them. But I did have a question, and that's where it's leading to because at the state fair this year, there was a booth for the grassroots party, and I'm just. Now, I realize you're not a member of the grassroots party, Mike, but and I never did go up and ask, but because uh, I was just having a good time and I didn't feel like having this conversation. But what 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 do they stand for now? They were never weed. It wasn't just weed. Yeah, they, they're more of a there should be more than two parties is my has been my understanding. Well, it seems like they're pretty main. I mean, because the grassroots, they, they had, you know, pictures of a marijuana plant on their on their booth. That's well, funny. That's, that's a, just that good. Sounds that's like an old good, booth. <laughs> yeah, that's just good branding. I don't mean that's. <laughs> but no, I mean like that's 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 actually that that is really a good point. Is I don't know, like do you? So that can't be a key a linchpin issue for some of these third you know parties anymore. Do you, Mike? Do you think that the Democrats have a better chance uh, in Minnesota due to these to, to there not being this one issue anymore uh, that could be fracturing votes? I mean, I think it helps. I mean, I, uh, for sure, I think it helps that we've passed it. I mean, as long as there's a part, you know, one or two parties that has, you know, legal marijuana now in its name or grassroots legalized cannabis, I mean, they'll, and they're on the ballot, they'll probably still get some votes. Um, and presumably, maybe from people who might otherwise vote for a Democrat, but I don't know that that's always guaranteed. Sure. But, oh, it um, is called grassroots legalized cannabis. Yeah, too. it is. Oh my God. I knew what I was talking about. You're like, I'm like, what are you talking about, Molly? I'm 
Oh, because it says it's, it branches from the grassroots party, which is a different party. That's right. what I was thinking of was oh, just okay. the grassroots party, which is just like maybe we should have a third option. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I, this gets into some complicated areas of election law, too. But, uh, you know, just because of the the showing they had a few years ago in an election, they were they had major party status, which made it very easy for them to get candidates on the ballot under those parties. But they haven't been able to replicate that. So um, I, you know, I don't think there'll be as many candidates under those parties in future election years, also. So that will probably also be helpful in addition to having passed the law, as you noted. I uh, I I've read that um, there are. Uh, Two places in Minnesota that are have started doing retail sales, uh, Red Lake Nation and, and White Earth in Minnesota, which I mean, they're both, um, you know, s- sovereign indigenous people's land in Minnesota. So that makes sense. They kind of have. But a part of that allowing that to happen within Minnesota was also a, a part of this um, this bill, too. Right. There were considerations made for the the sales there am i understanding that right uh yeah i mean i think there was general acknowledgement that they're sovereign governments and you know we don't really have the ability to regulate what goes on in there i i know they've uh, those two tribes have had uh, medical cannabis programs operating for a couple years also just um run by their tribal government so it was a pretty easy transition for them to make but um, just since they are sovereign governments, they, you know, and Minnesota's now legalized it, you know, legalized it, to, or certainly decriminalized it at this point, you know, we're still setting up the state regulatory system, but, you know, they're sovereign governments with their own regulatory structures in place. So they were able to, you know, they were able to use their sovereignty and just go ahead and do that and not waiting and not wait for it, you know, sim- similar to the way they operate casinos and, you know, the way some of the state gambling laws don't apply to them also. I need to apologize formally to Tim because I did look up the grassroots party legalized marijuana now and uh, their image is an eagle clutching an American flag and a cannabis leaf in its talons. (laughs) And it's the worst Photoshop job I've ever seen. And uh, I apologize, Tim. You are right. I am wrong. You are smart. I am dumb. You are attractive. (laughs) I am unattractive. (laughs) That was a very... It it doesn't happen very often. I'll take it. it. I'll take it. for this podcast. I do, I, yeah, it has to oh, be. Oh, no. Oh, that's real bad. That's real bad. Um, that looks like um, like a mock energy drink ad, kind of. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Are there... Are there classy stuff. Maybe I can make that my campaign logo, too. <laughs> <laughs> my aside from provisions... Weed <laughs> aside from the uh, the provisions for outdoor that may need some adjustments, are there any other provisions in this bill that, that concern you or areas that you feel that, that need to be looked at in the future, Mike? Well, I mean, I do think... I do think we'll want to keep looking at, you know, keep looking at it as it, you know, as it goes fully into effect, you know, look, you know, have public health data on how much it's being used by kids, um, you know, that type of stuff. You know, is it being sold in appealing flavor in flavors that kids use? Are they using are they using it with other products like like tobacco, like commercial tobacco products? Um, so, I you know, I think we'll we'll. I don't know that there's a specific issue, but I do think it's something we'll need, you know, that we'll need to keep revisiting it. And there will probably be effects of it that we didn't quite anticipate that might need some sort of response. I don't know that I have anything that I'm specifically concerned about, though, at this point. 
you so we kind of talked earlier about how it's been a real uh fucking gangbuster session for the dfl in minnesota a real uh as a friend said a real getting shit done year super uh, majority uh for for uh the party here in in minnesota um this is very that's a very speculative question but do you think that how because of how productive this year has been the session past session has been that that bodes well for the future of the dfl in in like november like do you think people are going to see what happens when you actually have a party that wants to govern and and get <laughs> shit done and improve things i think it'll certainly help i mean i i don't think people are particularly attracted to half measures and just kind of mealy-mouthed politics that doesn't lead to anything. I mean, I think it's pretty clear we had an ambitious, progressive agenda. I think, you know, it's going to be particularly appealing to young people. I think in a presidential year, I think a lot of young people will come out and vote. You know, it, in a presidential year, it's always, it, it can be hard to get kind of, about, you know, your message out there from a state legislative level. It tends to get buried by national politics and stuff. But I do think um, I do think there's there's a lot of energy around our session that I think will carry over into the election. Is is there a bill that you're excited about that's coming up? Um, you know, I've been author of the medical aid and dying bill before, so I'm mm. hopeful that'll get a hearing. Yes. Um, you know, we I we were talking before the session. You know, we did just pass the bill to change the Minnesota state flag and state seal. Hell yeah. Um, there's a commission that will be coming up with a new flag design by January 1st. So I'm a, I'm a non-voting member of that commission, but I'm looking forward to seeing what, uh, you know, what we end up coming up with. I think, you know, our flag right now is, has some problematic imagery and is very undistinguished and looks like 20 other, you know, state flags. So that's something I'm excited to see come to fruition as well. Can I suggest uh, putting all 10,000 lakes on a single flag? I just think that would be, um, Interesting. Just all, just, 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 just rows and it's rows of blue. lakes. It's just blue. <laughs> just, just, like the butthole from uh, Greenville Community College, the star. <laughs> <laughs> or, or an eagle clutching a, a cannabis. Oh, leaf. that'd be great. That'd be great. Um, so, um, you get a lot of graphic design is my passion type stuff submitted, <laughs> like, lots of fun photoshops. Yeah, no, we're going to be, I mean, we're going to be, ex- it's, uh, we're going to be uh, getting a lot. I've already gotten lots of designs from people, some very good <laughs> ones, frankly. But uh, yeah, but then, you know, other people are, you know, well-meaning, but may not have a lot of graphic design experience or other people <laughs> might just, you know, like the existing flag and think yeah. we're too woke and send, you know, a oh, yeah. rainbow flag with a hammer and sickle. Like, this is what you want it to be. Uh, it? I don't know. I like it. That doesn't Chris sound so bad. I think time. that, yeah. <laughs> um, so now this, j- just so, people understand a little bit more about about the legislature in minnesota if i'm making sure i understand it so uh the legislature is both both the house and house and senator are entirely up for election every two years so this is not an election year correct or is am i wrong about that uh we yeah the legislative elections happen in even years however the senate um has most has four-year terms except when they're redistricting so Uh the house is up every two years so, so the so Senate, I, yeah. the so Senate, I will, I will and, be running for election next yeah. year, not this but, year. And but, then the Senate, the Senate is generally up for election in years ending in two, six, and zero. And okay. And then, uh, typically, if I remember correctly, that like the way the legislative session and sessions kind of work, every other year is a bonding year. So this next year is a lot about 
uh, about passing bonds for for allocating funds to various various projects, you know, like like bridges or or, or what have you. Isn't that correct? The next year is, is a bonding year. Yeah, his, yeah, tr- yeah. The odd year session, the one we just finished, is always the budget year in Minnesota. So we pass the state budget. I mean, we pass lots of other policies as well. But then historically, the even year session. Uh, the main goal is supposed to be to pass a bonding bill. We did actually pass a bonding bill this year also, but that was kind of because we didn't pass one the year before when we had divided government. So I expect we'll we'll be looking at another one this year also. But then but then other policy, you know, it, it, lots of other bills will come up as well. And there could be a supplemental budget bill, too, if, you know, if it turns out we have a surplus or something. So you're next up for re-election this coming November or 2024 November? 2024 November. Exciting. It's so exciting, Mike. Mike forever. Mike always. <laughs> well, is it, I know, was Minnesota the 25th state to legalize cannabis? I think it was... Something like that. Twenty. I know we're in the, we're in the mid in to low 20s. Mid 20s. Yeah. yeah, that sounds right. I feel like we're, we, we should be hitting a tipping point where... I would hope to see something on a federal level because I know there's so many, you know, we're talking about how many committees this has to go through. And I know so many of the the hurdles about um, legalization come from um, laws about banking and, and money transfers and all that when it comes to drugs. Um, You can't, you know, banks can't, um, have you know bank you can't have like bank accounts in the same traditional sense for for dispensaries and places like that because it, it ends up you know like leading to a rico suit or something because they're because it's their federal laws against um all the the money you know so that's why some of them deal in cash and things well, like that and airport travel is complicated airport and all travel. kinds of things yeah. traveling across state lines is complicated and even if you're going you know from a state where it's legalized to a state where it's legalized you know because because you are traveling federally there's yeah, yeah it's or, it would it would uncomplicate a lot of things. Yeah. Do yeah. you do you do you feel like that's a realistic thing to expect in in the near future, or is it just too much up in the air? Why not? The Biden administration was just talking about like lowering or changing the schedule for, mm-hmm. for marijuana, I believe. So um, I don't know that that would address. I, I don't know all exactly which provisions related, whether it's related to interstate travel or banking or you know which aspect of of. The marijuana business would would be affected by that, but um, yeah, it, it seems. I mean, the you know the the it seems like the federal. I mean, for it to be fully legalized at the federal level, probably, you know, just the experience from Minnesota suggests to me that it, you know we need to have democratic control, which we don't currently have in the U.S. House. Well, and, um, and we need to have Democrats who want to get stuff done. Yes. I did see an article that was like, what could the, the the National Democratic Party take away from recent events in Minnesota? And it's like this whole article could just be do your fucking job. Like, <laughs> do anything. Try something. Like, But I realize it's more complicated. They got it is because, nonsense. Yeah. And, well, and, and, and when the know. Democrats were controlling the House, then the, the Republicans were controlling the Senate. And so you couldn't really yeah. couldn't really yeah. make anything happen. But um, uh, nonetheless, people to die <laughs> yeah we need, we need that for sure mike uh thank you so much for joining us helping us uh, understand this legislation a little bit better thank you uh to you and your colleagues for uh, a really productive session we are going to move on to five questions and since we've already asked you our five questions my understanding is you have written five questions to ask us yes uh yeah per uh, molly's request that was uh that was what i did so Excellent. these are 
questions based on real life events that seems mm-hmm. appropriate for this show. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, should I just... yeah. Question number one. Yeah, number one. Okay. So first, uh, you are a senior at a public high school. Your school holds its graduation ceremony in a mega church that opposes same sex marriage. Although there will be no explicit religious messages shared during the ceremony. Do you attend graduation? Uh, uh, yes, I do because I, I'm thinking high school Molly, uh, high school Molly was a Wiccan and very, very anti-Christianity, but also, uh, I was very into school and very much looking forward to graduating specifically of walking in the cap and gown and the whole ceremony. And, and honestly, I think knowing there would be no, I would be very much like there better not be religious messages. And if there is, Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something, but I would attend. Yes. I would attend and I would definitely alter my cap and or gown or perhaps wear something underneath that I could reveal that would have a trans kids a message of solidarity in some way or perhaps an an anti uh, religious or anti conservative Christian message. Um, I'd be there, but I would make it everyone else's problem too. wear wear a rainbow scarf, something like that. Um, yeah. You know, it's hard because I'm trying to think whether it's a like teenage me when I was a teenager or or me now as a teenager. Because me now as a teenager, fuck no, fuck that church. Um, but I think you teenage, you wouldn't even go to graduation. You no, would just skip graduation. No, graduations are long and boring anyway. Um, you know, go out, go out to dinner with my family. That's how I'd want to separate, celebrate anyway. I think that um, actual teenage me would have felt more pressure to go, and so I probably would have because of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Thank you. All right. Number two, you are a public high school student participating in the Post-Secondary Enrollment Options Act, which enables high school students to take college classes with costs covered by the state. A math class you want to take is available, but it's at a religious institution, which makes you sign a faith statement saying, among other things, that you oppose gay marriage. Do you sign and take the class? I would not. Uh, And this is, again, answering as teenage me and not adult Molly. Uh, I definitely would not have. Uh, I recognize that I had the privilege of not having to worry about whether or not I could afford college. So that's a I could see how that could be a big difference for somebody who didn't have that ability. Uh, But I was I I uh, I I had a a, an out gay teacher in high school who was uh, often demonized by the parents. And I was one of his staunchest advocates. I had a I was a Big. It was a big deal to me. I, I would not have done this. I I think there's a difference between like attending a religious thing and signing something. Signing. That's a that's like yeah. a, a written acknowledgement of something that I am I am completely opposed to. I don't think I could do it. Yeah, I mean the thing is the thing where I'm at is I th- there would be a record, right? There's a written record now that I sign yeah. that, and I absolutely do not believe it. And um, I I don't. I don't think I could do that. And I understand that, you know, assume for a moment that I, I'm underprivileged and I don't have a choice, that this is the math class I need and this is going to help me, you know, get a scholarship or what have you. Um, you know, but I'm not that person. I can't I can't make that decision for that person. But for me, I couldn't do it. 
Yeah. yeah. We did uh, one other thing we passed this year was a law banning those faith statements just in, uh-huh. with relation to the post-secondary enrollment options. However, uh, it's it got sued right after the session ended. So seriously. Yeah. So we'll sued we'll for their right to force you to sign a faith-based statement because mm-hmm. of their school. That's I, sounds well, like the religious discrimination to me. We had a friend who uh, against the person being forced to sign, not the. Yeah. We have a friend who I, who um, she identifies as a non-believer and she was working at a Catholic school as a teacher and had to sign like a, a morality clause as part of her thing. And I remember her talking to us about it and being like, I hate that I had to sign it, but I, I it means I'm going to have to change a lot about, about how I perform uh, because of this. Because if a, oh, if, a, if, a, if, a, if a parent sees me doing any kind of offensive material or anything i could be in violation of my school contract and uh yeah that's no way yeah i'm glad that you guys made those illegal i hope that it stands up in court (laughs) thank you me too uh third you are invited to a public gathering say a session of the minnesota house of representatives you (laughs) you learn it starts with a prayer how do you react a lot of a lot of like uh a lot of side glances to Molly and some <laughs> eye rolling and maybe some I'm like also a legislator in this and, and, and maybe some like uh some inappropriate like wrist working hand motions. <laughs> like a, gentle wanking gentle yeah, belt. <laughs> d- dismissive wanking gestures where other people can't see it probably. Uh mm-hmm. I, and and then if it was an optional thing and not like a work thing or repeat thing, I would probably reconsider ever coming back. Tim, what about you? Uh, you know, if if it was like everybody stand for the prayer, I probably wouldn't. Yeah. Um, you know, I we've we've talked about this like at family at family gatherings. You know, if there's a prayer, I used to like kind of you know mouth along the amens because I just wanted to be. I guess I wanted to be long, but as I've as I've grown more confident in what I believe, I don't do that anymore. I just don't say anything because I feel it's disingenuous. I feel I'm lying. And so if it was me, I would feel it was disingenuous if I was participating. So I'd be very clear that I was not participating. What are the rules about filibustering, Mike? Like, can you just start filibustering before they open the session with a prayer? Like, can you just be like, objection and like, just sort of like make that? I mean, are you even allowed to object to such things or is it? Um, I, guess I don't even we know. Raise, we could raise a point of order and talk about it Try for to, a while. Yeah. There's a parliamentary yeah. procedure in place, but. Yeah. I, boy, that. Yeah, nobody that, really does that um, during the like opening things though yeah. but i think you probably could in theory i wonder if you could uh offer to read uh instead of it being a prayer just genuinely just like read some darwin or just read some like <laughs> i did based texts i did get a humanist uh, uh oh. celebrant to give an invocation um and nice. the, the house leadership was very was supportive was very supportive of that so but uh, but that was you know that it's kind of notable just because it doesn't happen very often, but yeah. but it did happen once. So my, my 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 serious answer is I haven't prayed in at a public gathering or joined in or even pretended to join in since I was about eleven. Uh, they used to start they used to start my co- cross country conferences with a prayer because we were in the Twin Cities Lutheran Athletic Conference and all the other schools were religious schools except for mine, and so that would be I think I my, would just I think my religious school might have played yours at some of those conferences. Yeah, probably. Where did you go? Breck. Oh yeah. We, yep. We were against Breck and Blake and Holy Angels and, you know, Cretan Durham and all that. But like, 
uh, it was very, it was, it was always shocking to us. Like us MPA kids would just be kind of like sharing like nervous glances. Like, uh, are they allowed to do this? Like, I don't think you're supposed to do this. (laughs) Okay. Uh, number four, you are ordered by a court to undergo substance abuse treatment. The only option available in your area is one that makes you acknowledge the existence of a higher power. What do you do? get a lawyer that's what i do (laughs) (laughs) that's i i uh we uh early in the podcast we did a couple episodes about uh atheists in uh aa specifically and while i'm not super proud of our our guests in retrospect (laughs) the caliber of their character the caliber of their character um uh i think what they had to say was pretty important and and meaningful and and there are some you know like aa options out there that skew atheist but ultimately you're i mean it's like why i could never be a mason right you have to believe in a higher power and it's a it's it's like written in it's like a it's built into the whole bag and um that precludes me i feel like i'd probably see if there was a way to weasel around it by saying that my higher power was like nature or that like I believed in evolution as a power greater than me or something just to see if they would allow that. And if they wouldn't, then I'd, I guess I'd go back to whoever was my lawyer while I was in the thing that made me get court ordered treatment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think I would have to, uh, I would have to go to an appeal because there's no way I would ever get convicted of substance abuse. That's, that's true. Yeah, Tim, Tim's been railroaded. Nick and I are like, oh yeah, I can see that happening. I wonder if they would let me just use air quotes like every time, be like, no, I definitely think God has power over me, and I really worry that God is judging me for my alcoholism. Like, <laughs> <Great. laughs> okay, last one. Uh, you are a public high school student participating in an athletic event. Prior to the match, the coach organizes a prayer on the sideline for students who want to participate. Do you participate? Fuck no. (laughs) We just talked about this. Again, like I said, I I didn't even, I forgot this was a question. I I didn't when I was 10, 11. (laughs) Yeah, I I feel I, this one has some some specific wording that I think is important that it's, uh, you know, optional for students who want to participate. I remember this case. But like you can't deny that there's institutional pressure and peer pressure and you're going to get singled out. And I, I think I would not do it all the more for those reasons. Like, like I wouldn't want to do it just because it's prayer, but because there's all that pressure, I I would definitely not want to do it. And honestly, I think I would probably quit the, the sport because I don't think I could, or I would at least start with a serious conversation with the coach and be like, Hey man, um, I'm not cool with this. And if this is like, you could do this privately somewhere else, Mm -hmm. but if it's going to be this very public display of piousness, then I think I'm done with this. I think I would, I would Mm -hmm. quit. Yeah. I think, um, in this case, I think back to teenage me and I think, um, I mean, I was not into sports, but if I was into sports as somebody who was kind of an outsider in the first place, I would likely have a difficult time not at least faking participation so that everybody 
So that wasn't ostracized as a result, which I think is the problem with that kind of behavior in the first place is that people who don't believe still feel like they have to go through the motions because otherwise they're going to get ostracized, that the students who see you not participating are going to ask you about it. And so I, I think if I'm honest with myself, I would take the path of least resistance and I would pretend to participate. Um, yeah, that's the that's the, the good thing. I would say the blessing and the curse, the blessing for me, the curse for the, the administrators of being at a par- private school where they taught us specifically to think for ourselves. Like that was their whole that was their whole marketing angle was we teach your kids to think for themselves. We teach the, the, the slogan was actually we teach kids how to think, not what to think. Right. Mm. And so when I was in a senior year and I had decided I was a Wiccan and I didn't want to participate in any I actually uh, went to the principal to fight to be excused from the holiday assembly where they would do all the Christmas shit and the Hanukkah stuff. You know, they had a couple Hanukkah songs in there just to make sure everyone was covered. But like I was legitimately like I'm not do I was, you know, very much uh, Lisa Simpson energy with the I'm a Wiccan and I'm not going to participate. And what are you going to do about it? And they're like, OK, you don't have to come. And I'm like, yeah, well, what are you? Oh, (laughs) like, but, you know, so it's hard for me to imagine it being my coach. But the more I think about it, my coach for cross country and track was like my second mom for a while. And Mm. if she had been leading a prayer, I don't know what I would have done, to be honest. I would have felt really betrayed and and it would have been really hard for me because it, that was there was no religion at my school other than you know Christmas songs at, at the end of the year. That's my I went I went to a public high school in Minnesota, uh, in in Minneapolis. I didn't um, we didn't have religious or holiday stuff that was you know, denominational. Uh, we did get to see some like dope ass Hmong New Year uh, stuff like at the theater and things like that for like non-religious cultural celebrations. We we got those, which was kind of cool. Not my school, a little different at the white private school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if yeah, anyone listening, if you get a chance to go to Hmong New Year, it's a it's a great time. I've, and if, I've and if you're in Minnesota, it's, it's pretty easy to get I've a chance. Take some pictures, and it looks fucking great. Yeah, it's a blast. All right. Well, uh, Mike, we want to thank you for coming on, talking to us about this uh, this legislation. I hope we have a chance to uh, talk to you again, because I think uh, I think it's really interesting to get uh, get a look into the legislative process here in Minnesota. And uh, I think it's a good reminder, as I often say, when people talk about politics being local, it, it really is that, you know, when we talk about needing to get out and vote, I know it's really easy to get discouraged when you look at national politics, but local politics um People like Mike are making a difference, and I think they're making a difference in a good way. And if you look at some other states, they're making a difference in an extremely bad way. And that's why local politics matter. So Meadville passed by like two votes, guys. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, legitimately, it matters. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, two votes. That's all it took. So, uh, again, thank you for coming on. Thank you for uh, serving uh, your your district and your state. We really appreciate it. If you enjoyed our show, you can always support us on Patreon by uh, tossing a few bucks our our way, and you'll get to, get to listen to these episodes sometimes minutes or seconds early. Other times, 
more early than that. It, we're it, reducing it every episode. We're like, <laughs> you know what? You might think of it and it's there. <laughs> uh, we have five questions you can answer. You can look at those up on our uh, webpage or uh, you've probably heard other people answer them. You can uh, answer them just by sending us an email to five questions at geekswithoutgod.com. If you don't want to answer those questions, send us five questions or um, send us five random thoughts. At this point, we, we're really we're really open to any ideas uh it just, it just whatever you send into five questions at geekswithoutgod.com we will read on the air and i say that yeah, with also. with the full with the full admission that also if it's something we don't want to read we won't so there you go we are going to be back next week mike is not thanks so much have a great week everybody bye-bye bye thank you and remember driving under the influence is still illegal so don't weed and drive we're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We don't recognize moral authority. We don't accept divine superiority. We're geeks, geeks without God. Until next time, you can find us blogging at geekswithoutgod.com. You can follow us on Twitter at geekswithoutgod. And you can even like us on Facebook. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks. Without God, we're geeks, geeks without God. And and I I didn't point it out, but uh, your nickname is Sparky, and I think that that really matters for this weed legislation.